All right, so the last message that I'm going to do here in this series on the book of Acts. And we have not been going through this one chapter and verse at a time. We've just sort of hopscotched through some of the themes that we've seen there. Uh, and this is only part three, and that's all I'm going to do is just three parts on this. So we, we looked at the themes in the book of Acts, and we started with a theme that we see take place there of, of Acts being the church community what it means for us to be the community of God, of God's people in that. Last week we looked at the theme of what it means for us to be commissioned, that we have a job as God's witnesses, a task that is before us, to be his witnesses to what he has done and is doing. Today we're going to finish that up by looking at what it means to be a church that is renewed or I'm going to say it more precisely, a church that is being renewed in an ongoing process. So to do that, I've, we've, I sort of hopscotch around among many different passages. Today I'm going to land on just one that comes from Acts chapter 10, but that'll sort of be a launching point to, if you've been doing these readings, it brings to mind some of the other stories that take place in Acts. But I'm just going to focus on these words that come from Acts 10. Let me set this one up with a little bit of context so you know what these words are about. Uh, this is a story in Acts 10 where it's the Apostle Peter. Peter is at the home of a man named Cornelius. Cornelius is not Jewish. He's Gentile. This is a first for Peter, to be in the home of someone who's not Jewish. A brand new thing. It comes right on the heels of a vision that Peter had. And, and here's the vision that you can read about this in Acts. That What he sees is, he describes it as a sheet that's lowered from heaven with different meat products on it. Some of which Jewish people are not allowed to eat because of their dietary laws. So I know we don't eat off sheets and that kind of thing. Think of it this way. There's a deli platter. So a deli platter comes in front of you and it's full of all these little deli treats on it. And, and in the vision, Peter hears a voice that says, Peter, have a snack. Eat this. Peter looks at it and he says, there's things on here I'm not allowed to eat because we have seen in your word, in the Old Testament laws, some of this is unclean. It's impure. It makes us unrighteous if we eat that. So I cannot do that. God responds in that vision. He says, do not call anything unclean that God has made clean. So Peter has a snack. Then this next scene happens where Peter is called to, to go to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, someone for whom all the Jewish generations that lived before Peter would have said, that person is unclean, unrighteous. You cannot even step foot in that person's house. Peter's starting to realize what's going on here. That's where it comes to us today. So, Acts chapter 10, I'm going to begin at verse 34. Here's what Peter says to Cornelius. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, 
how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A church being renewed in the process of renewal. That, that, that's a word that um, some of us here are, are sort of centering around as we begin this process of partnering with something called the Renewal Lab. And there's a, a team of people here who are sort of our, our lead team in this renewal process. So I want to take a moment today and just consider what that means. Renewal. Uh, not just for a church, but for us as people what renewal means, what renewal is like, what, how renewal happens, and, and what we see about that just in this passage here today, how it gives us a glimpse at what renewal looks like. I don't know how you think of renewal, right? Maybe you think of renewal in terms of taking a break, summer vacation, a break from school, a time of renewal before going back to school and getting back to studies, that you need that break, that time away. Maybe that's what renewal means, or, or uh, if you're not a student in school, just that vacation time, a little time off from work or routine or schedule, a break to refresh, to refocus, to build back up again. Maybe that's how you think of renewal. Maybe renewal brings something else to mind. Um, I subscribe to and read several newspapers, and so about once a year, it's renewal time. Do you want to renew that subscription? And Newspapers, being what they are, like many of these other things, always try to throw in the little something extra. Hey, you can renew now, but you know, for this much more, you can get this and this and this and this. That There's new options, new things that come to us, maybe new perspectives. Renewal has something to do with that too, doesn't it? That when it comes time to renewal, maybe it's a time of looking at new options and new perspectives to see what could be different or changed within that. All those things, maybe we wrap up with this idea of renewal as we encounter it, oh, not in, not in the Bible, not in Scripture, not as Christians, but just as people living in the world who think about what it means to embrace renewal and what that looks like. Well, something of that is also true in what we see here in Scripture too. That renewal does capture those things. But I want us to consider today what that means for us as people of faith, as God's people. What does renewal look like for us? 
I'm going to focus on two things here, two ingredients that have to do with renewal. The first thing uh, already on the screen here, that renewal brings about change. There is a change that comes with renewal. But then, a little later on, we're going to talk about the things that remain constant with renewal, the things that don't change, but those things that maybe we continue. Because renewal, even though it has the word new in it, we often think of it as something that brings us back to or continues along something that had been as well. So those things mesh together. Let's figure out how that works, all right? Things that change, but things that remain constant. Let's start with things that change, right? The, the change that renewal brings. In this passage that we read today, it's really just in those first two verses that, that Peter lays that out. It's just those first two verses where he talks about the change that takes place there. Verses 34 and 35. Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. I now realize it. Peter realizes something new. Let's park on that one for just a minute. I don't want to go by that one too quickly because for those of you who maybe have been in church a long time, you, you know the stories of the Bible. You know that Jesus died and rose and that he came so that the gospel would go forth to all nations and all people. That's brand new stuff for Peter. He is just sort of trying to capture this one for the first time. And it's, it goes against generations, thousands of years of what he had been taught and his people had been taught before that. We shouldn't go over that one too quickly to realize the change that Peter is facing in that moment, that he's professing in these words, that God does not show favoritism. Because from the time Peter was born and all the generations before him, the answer to that would have been the exact opposite. Does God have favorites? The Jewish people would have said, well, yeah, of course God has favorites. Abraham and the descendants of Abraham, those are God's favorites. Of course God shows favoritism. Everything about who they were as religious people centered on that one thing, that we, the Jewish people, are God's people. And anyone who's not Jewish is not God's people. That was at the core of their identity in their religion of who they were. I don't think we should go too quickly past these words of Peter then when he flips that completely around. How hard that must have been to wrap his head around that. Everything that I've ever been taught about what it means to be a person who's religious and follows God now has a new perspective. Something is different. Something has changed. And it took a lot for Peter to get there. Maybe we just read it and go right by it. Oh yeah, of course God doesn't show favoritism. That was hard for Peter, I imagine, to get to that point, to see that, to realize that, that everything that he had been brought up to know and believe about God now has a new angle, 
a new perspective, something different, something that changes. But let's, let's note this here too, though. It, it's not God who changes. God is not the one who changes here. It's Peter who realizes this. Peter says, now I realize what God has been up to the whole time. What God was always doing. But I didn't see it. I didn't recognize it. He catches that. um, He says that sort of in that very last verse that we read there in verse 43. All the prophets testify about him that Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Peter has this realization that, you know what, God didn't change the rules here. It's not God who changed anything. God has been up to this the whole time. Peter says, now now I'm, I'm getting it. I'm realizing it. I'm the one who sees this point of being renewed. And, and that's what we see about renewal here, that renewal is personal. It, it starts, Peter says, it starts with me. That's where these lead-in verses in this passage begin. Peter says, I'm going to start with telling you that it began with me. That I had to realize what God was really doing. That I was the one who had to see what the Holy Spirit was really up to here. And it began with me. That renewal is personal. Maybe sometimes when we think of renewal, uh, more in a church context, or, or maybe if you think of that more in an organizational context, right? If you work for a business or an organization that's working through a renewal process or that kind of thing, you think of renewal in terms of strategies and plans, and here's things that we do and tweak and change, but I think what we're seeing here from what Peter is telling us is renewal does not begin there. That's not the heart of renewal. Renewal, it begins here. It begins with a personal realization that there is something that God is doing that gives me a new and a fresh perspective. Something that maybe God has been up to the whole time, but I didn't see it before. But now I do see it. It begins with that. I wonder what you might fill in the blank for that then. If you were to start saying that same line that Peter says in verse 34, I now realize how true it is that God, and then fill in the blank from there. What might those statements be for us? How would you end that sentence? As something new, changed, renewed. I now realize how true it is that God and fill it in from there. But notice this in the words that follow that that Peter just doesn't grab at anything. I mean, this isn't a free-for-all question, but Peter answers that question in ways that ground it back to the scriptures. Right? I, for example, I don't think it would be fair for me to say, I now realize how true it is that God wants me to eat nothing but ice cream and chocolate. As much as I might want to, that's not the best thing. And you know what? I don't think there's anywhere that I could point to in Scripture that would 
make that something that I could declare as being from God. No, you can't just throw anything in the blank there. But as we read God's word, as you hear what God is revealing about himself through his word and through his people and through his church, as those things become evident and it's anchored in that, does something new come out of that? A new realization. Something that maybe gives a new perspective and a new focus. Let me give one example of how that worked for the church. The church, maybe in our more recent history in this country, that that there was a time about 200 years ago when those within the church here in America began to realize something. They began to realize and say, I now see how it is that God does not create certain races of people to be slaves. That was something new for the church 200, 300 years ago around here. They began to realize that an institution of slavery was wrong. Whereas generations before that had embraced that. It was something new in a perspective where they went back to the word of God and they said, wait a minute, this isn't right. God's word does not support this. I now realize that. And it's not that God changed something, it's that the church realized it. The people of God's church realized it and were renewed by that. That's just one example of more institutional change in the church that happens by that renewal. But don't lose sight of the fact that it's personal. It begins with you. It begins in your heart. It begins by asking that same question and finding that same answer that Peter finds. What is it that we need to realize that God is doing that maybe we've been missing, not seeing before? That's where renewal goes. So it's personal, but on top of that, recognize that it's also ongoing. It's not something that happens and then it's done, but it's a, it is a continual process. That maybe Peter didn't just make this one little step and then it was over. All right, that's it, I'm renewed. But it was an ongoing process. Now, if you've been reading through the book of Acts with us, you see that. You see how this renewal that's happening is something that keeps incrementally stepping forward. It keeps moving. And that's by design that renewal is continual, that it is ongoing. We have a church word for that in our theology and in our doctrine. We call that sanctification, that we are being sanctified as God's people that he's always working through us, always bringing us forward, that it is a process that is never completed, never finished, but we are always on that journey. This past week, I I got a chance to hear a little bit from a church planter who's up in Canada, in London, Ontario, and uh, he's the church planter who founded this church, and he founded it, planted this church 29 years ago. So you're thinking, like, this is 30 years back. For some of the people in this room, that's before you were born. 
that this church was planted, and this one pastor has been there as the church planter the entire time. Now, maybe you think of a church that's 30 years old, and we would not say, well, that's not a church plant anymore. I mean, they're established. They've grown. They've added to their facility. They've done building projects. They've had new generations come in and go through. I mean, that's just a church now, right? But I was struck by the way that this particular church planter said, 29 years on, I still see this as a plant. I still think of myself as a church planter, and I still see this as a church that is being planted, capturing that piece of ongoing. That it's not that we had a line that we crossed, and now we're done, and now we're there. He said, I don't want to ever see my church as being established for everything that word carries in its meaning. But I want us to always see ourselves as being planted, that we're moving, we're going, that there's something that is ongoing and continual in renewal. So as you think about those moments, and, and maybe if you've been on a faith journey for a while, you've had those moments, those moments where something has awakened in you. You said, oh yeah, I, I realize something new about God and what he's doing that I haven't seen before. That doesn't mean you're done. But there's more. It's ongoing. We're working through a process with our elders here of, of um, having profession of faith interviews with several of our students, and we'll have a Sunday coming up where they'll be up here making that profession of faith. And one of the things we see in those stories that those students tell is God has been doing something working up through their life. But one of the things that, as elders, we try to say back to them is, okay, and God's going to keep doing that. This, this step of profession of faith is not an end line. It's more like maybe starting line. Here we go. And now it continues because renewal is ongoing. It keeps working that way. And it changes us as we realize what God is up to. So those are things we see about God and renewal that change. Now I want us to think a little bit about the constant. So what doesn't change? What stays the same? Uh, what is it that, that no matter what happens in our world, no matter what new changes come along, where's the grounding for that beneath it? I think we see something of that in this passage too, of a constant, even amidst times of change. Something that serves as a, a GPS, a compass. You know, back in the times of the Bible, of course, they didn't have GPS to get around. In fact, in the times of the Bible, they didn't even have a compass that would show them where to go. They used stars and sun as sort of their directional navigators. So they knew that, well, the sun always comes up in the east and it always sets in the west. So by knowing that the sun always starts on one end and goes to the other end, where the sun goes throughout the day helps give some orientation to what direction I'm facing and where things are going. Or when the sun sets, the stars at night can do the same thing. That they recognized, and they knew by that time the way stars moved, and that there was a north star at the center of that, that everything moved around. So they knew how to find that. There's the north star that's always in the same place no matter what. Now I know where the directions are and how I can move. We see something of that story in the narrative of Jesus' birth, that the Magi use stars to help guide them. 
That was the constant. Magi who come from a land a long way away, that they traveled through new lands and new territory where they had not been before, didn't know where things were, didn't know what the direction was, but they had a constant. They had something that remained as the guide to follow along with that, the star that guided them. So as you think about what it means to consider that question, what is God showing me as a new perspective, as renewal that I can embrace in my heart? What is it that we hold on to that remains as a constant among that? What's that grounding beneath that? We see this all throughout the book of Acts, that over and over again, no matter where they go, they talk about the gospel of Jesus. It's the gospel of Jesus that's there woven into just about every single one of these stories that we see. That no matter where the apostles went, no matter who they encountered, no matter whatever the situation around them was, that they always went back to the gospel and declaring the gospel as the center, the foundation, that it centers on the gospel of Jesus. And very specifically so. Not in a generic way. God loves you and Jesus came to save the world. They said more than that. If you've been reading through the book of Acts, you know that. That they said more than that. Not even just the step of believe in God and have faith. Yeah, they said that, but more than that. What is it that the apostles would say no matter what, everywhere they went, every single one of these speeches that are given to us throughout the entire book of Acts, no matter who it is, if it's Peter who's saying it, if it's Paul who's saying it, John who's saying it, Philip who's saying it, Stephen who's saying it, all those stories that we've seen through all these chapters in Acts, they all say the same thing when they have a chance to talk. They talk about the gospel, and they talk about these things in particular. They always, always, always say, Jesus died on the cross, Jesus went to the grave, and Jesus rose from the dead. They were very particular and specific about what the gospel is and what the gospel means. That they would always center on that that Jesus died on the cross, he went to the grave, and he rose from the dead. It's here in our passage today, too. It's what Peter shares in this message that he's giving to Cornelius. Did you see that in the middle of how this passage goes? That he's talking about everything that Jesus did. Starting in verse 39. We're witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day. Every time they have a chance to speak and talk about what centers them as Christians, as people who follow God in the way of Jesus, they talk about those things. It's because Jesus went to the cross and the grave and then rose again, dying and rising. That becomes the picture of the gospel over and over and over again. 
It began in that New Testament church in Acts and it spread forth. And 2,000 years later, here we are with the same gospel, the same message, the same thing that centers us and grounds us as God's people is the exact same thing that did for them 2,000 years ago. The message that Peter brought as he went forth explaining about how it is that he lives the way he does and why he believes what he believes. It's the same thing for us today about who we are and how we live and why we believe what we believe because of the gospel message that Jesus died on the cross, went to the grave, and rose from the dead. Now you can, um, you can lose sight of that pretty easily. Um, not because we forget about it, but, but because maybe for some of us, you know what, I've heard that so many times. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. You know what, I, I learned about that in Sunday school and I got that part, that's down. Never got old to these apostles though. They kept going back to that again and again. And what happens when we, when we lose that, when we get lost in that? If you start maybe Googling around to some of the other churches, maybe right here in West Michigan, and, and looking on websites of, eh, what are the messages there? What, what are they preaching about? Where, where is that going? You're going to find, um, yeah, not too far away, churches that have sermons with titles like Five Ways to Have Better Family and Friend Relationships. Or another sermon title, Three Ways to Reduce Anxiety. Not that having better relationships is bad. That's a good thing. Not that reducing anxiety is bad. That's a good thing. But those things are not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus died on the cross and went to the grave and rose from the dead. That's the center where everything about who we are is anchored and comes forward from there. So no matter what you're bringing in here today, considering what that looks like for renewal, all right, uh, baggage that you might be carrying. Yeah, this renewal thing sounds great. I would love to be a person who's renewed, but you have no idea where my life has been. You have no idea the struggles that I'm trying to manage right now, the brokenness that's there, family or friend relationships that are strained, Students, maybe you have no idea what happened at school this week. How hard it is to keep my friend group together. You have no idea what happens at the office, at the workplace, the projects that I'm trying to get done. You have no idea what's happening with declining health of family members and care and things that are just seem to be one bad news after another. You have no idea the brokenness that's happening in my life or around me. Here's what the gospel reminds us. That brokenness, everything in our world that is falling apart, everything about who we are that maybe has gotten it wrong, has made mistakes, that lives with regrets of, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that. All of that that we carry, all of that brokenness, all of that sin, all of that went to the cross. All of it. 
It went with Jesus and it went to the grave. It's gone. It's dead. When Jesus came out of the grave, when Jesus rose again, Jesus, who's perfect, Jesus, whose righteousness is above all other righteousness, when Jesus did that, he took that perfect righteousness and he said, this is you now. I'm giving this to you. You are covered in the perfect righteousness of Jesus. When you come before God and consider, God, I just don't know that I can do this renewal thing. I don't know that I can take those next steps. God says, I don't see that sin on you anymore. I don't see you that way. That is not who you are. That is not what defines you. That is not your identity. Your identity now, what defines you now, is the righteousness of Christ. When he rose from the dead, placed that upon you. That's how God sees you. In the perfect righteousness of Christ. Yes, renewal can happen. Because God has defined you and brought you to a place where that can work through your heart, work through your life begins here, begins in each one of us, and it grows and it spreads from there. It's the story that we see over and over again in the story of Acts, how that renewal took place one person at a time, even in the brokenness and the struggle and the trial. And it's because of the gospel that God made us new people when Jesus went to the cross went to the grave, and rose again. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and the reminder there of who it is that you are and what it is that you've done. God, we're sorry for the times when, when we've gotten lost from that, times when we've forgotten how central it is to who we are as your people that you went to a cross and died went to the grave, but did not stay there, that you rose again. God, we're, we're sorry that sometimes we still see ourselves as people who are covered in our own sin. And even though we are yet broken, remind us again that you don't see us that way, but you see us in the perfect righteousness of Christ. May that define who we are so that your Holy Spirit may renew us and that we can take that next step forward, however that renewal means for us. Because we know that there is yet a task unfinished before us. You're calling us and raising us up to. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.